Brad and Jeff shouldn't have a podcast. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe. Welcome to Brad and Jeff shouldn't have a podcast. I'm Brad Behigian. And I'm Jeff Andres. Absurd, moronic, and downright ridiculous is brought to you by Lashes by Lauren. Ladies, if your eyelashes need some help, you're going to want to hear this. They offer lash extensions, including classic, hybrid, and volume, lash, lift, and tint. They also have a great henna brow treatment. And guys, if you're not sure what to get your lady, a gift card is the perfect choice. Lashes by Lauren is in Riverside, Rhode Island. Give them a call to book at 413-404-7455. Or check them out on Instagram at underscore lashes dot by dot Lauren underscore. Tell them that Brad sent you and get 10% off your first service. All right, Jeff, we begin in India, which uh, has made uh, the podcast recently as well and other news. This time is another wild one, as you may be expecting. A rooster fitted with a knife for cockfighting kills its owner by slashing his groin as it attempted an escape. My gosh. So I guess I really shouldn't be surprised, but this is really just karma at its full extent here. Uh, Cockfighting is illegal in India, shockingly, Um, but... The uh, blade had been affixed, uh, you know, strapped to the leg as it typically is uh, in these blood sport uh, type event. The bird tried to escape and slashed open the owner's groin in the process. The man was rushed to the hospital, but died from severe blood loss. One of my favorite parts of this, Jeff, is that the, the rooster was briefly held at the local police station before being sent to a farm. I, I really found that a, an amusing comment. I could just see the rooster like in a cell, just like chilling, like hacking <laughs> the wall. You know, I'm not sure what, like in what fashion that occurred, but that was hilarious. And so I guess now they're, the police are actually looking for the 15 other people and are, you know, looking to pursue charges, you know, including manslaughter, illegal betting, and a bunch of other stuff. What did you make of this? This is, this is a crazy article. I like just to bring up, you said the poultry farm. Uh, it was uh, briefly jailed and sent to the poultry farms like a death sentence. I mean, I don't know if they eat roosters over there. Or what's going on? Um, was there a rooster or a chicken? I think they're called roosters specifically. I think because yeah. are roosters like the males, or I, I'm not sure the difference uh, in the terms for <laughs> we need that, someone but... with a degree in that to tell us. But, yeah. um, it was just <laughs> funny the because... big, like flowy ones, you know, with the oh, yeah, the big, the big tail and the big tail, you know, like oh, the... I now I see a picture. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> It, it was just funny because it says when it, it like tried to escape. I mean, I can only assume this guy went after it, to, like try to save it. But right. like in my mind, how the article when I first read it made me think like this rooster like sought out this guy and like just shanked him in the groin real quick and like bounced, um, which is just the, the instant form of karma. Happy ending because that guy, let's be honest, didn't deserve to live. You're fighting animals. You're you're a sick dude. Yeah, that's for sure. And I like. I know this, this appeared to be like a somewhat rural area. So I'm not really sure if we have like cell phone, like footage, but that would have been amazing if this was captured on video, certainly, but you know, certainly a unfortunate, I was surprised that they were actually banned there to be honest with you, Jeff, because I, I think like L- Louisiana was, 
up until a few years ago, I know it was still legal. I know they were working to to do away with that. And I know Puerto Rico still has cockfighting. So I was actually really? a little surprised that India actually has banned cockfighting, uh, which is interesting. The other part too, this is, a, I guess is popular around a Hindu festival, but I always thought they were like, real, like the, they were, you know, like worshiped animals of sorts. And like, cause I know like a lot of them, you know, they don't eat meat. Uh, and I know that they, you know, worship uh, cows and, you know, things like that. So I was a little surprised that this was like that popular there especially for a, a Hindu festival, but looks like it all worked out in the end. And, and now the police are pursuing the rest of the participants here. No, and they'll never like, this will never end. So, I mean, I mean, they say that they're probably, they're probably involved in it, to be honest with you. They're probably like, you know, cause this, Oh, I'm sure, especially where this was located. I'm sure there were cops. Yeah, like, my were mind there. says, but it, my mind says village. It seems like some remote area where like the this, this shit happens all the time. It's like right. their form of a casino and, the police yeah. are involved to look the other way. It's like, so like, it'll just keep happening. It, it's funny. I love when they bring out like, oh, we're going to investigate something or not. Like, this isn't like a big, this isn't like New York or something, you know? Right. Maybe yeah, they, exactly. It's like, it, they say village in this article, which is in my mind, just middle, like I said, middle of nowhere. So uh, amazing. But, uh, you know, that's what happens, right? Good luck you, to that rooster. Gonna, you know, you're going to be involved in this type of thing. You know, you got to know the risks and, Clearly, that blade was sharp enough. So, <laughs> see it. Yeah. What a headstone! <laughs> died by by died by groin shot the rooster. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what a legacy. Our next story will uh, will stay in Asia, and uh, we'll move to China. And so, uh, Japan has asked China to stop carrying out anal swabs on its citizens, and this is occurring. Uh, due to COVID testing, apparently it, China is requiring it's mandatory anal swabs to test for coronavirus, and uh, Japan is not pleased that you know their citizens are being subjected to this, stating it causes great psychological pain. But Jeff, I assure it's probably causing some physical pain as well. We mm-hmm. saw the the graphic here, which is like is a, is a diagram. And man, is that swab just jammed up there. They they state that it's 1.2 to 2 inches, but it looks more like the at least 3 inches to me on this photo. And this just sounds extremely uncomfortable, and there is zero chance that I would be uh, participating in such here. What did you think of this story? So this the first story when when I found out they were doing this, I thought it was like an onion article a couple of months ago when I heard I'm like, right. oh, this is this is the onion. It was like it was like the, I don't remember like MSN or something. Uh, I was like, wow, this is a real thing. The, the fact that we're still doing it, like I don't know the percentages of this test being accurate. I heard they were like in the 90s. I don't know if that's been validated or that's just coming from them. Yeah, who um, knows? It's all propaganda, the stuff that comes out of there anyway, right? Right. So this just seems like some sick kind of like citizen torture. It's like, oh, we're trying to protect you. Let me stick this. That's got to be four inches. That's like, that's penetration. That, yeah. That's, like, this is that's like, a, the out, that's this is like a sexual assault, you know, like at this point. Yeah. And they're just, I don't, and I, and I, like, you're going to have everyone do this, like how the article reads. I, cause I thought this test was just like, they do the nose thing. And if for some reason it's inconclusive, they do this, but it seems like by this article that it's always an anal swab now. So that kind of blew my mind. Cause for I read like, it different like months ago. It's at least for like these mass test sites from, 
from the way it reads to me. What if imagine just like you're going into like a booth, jamming it up your ass, and the next person like comes in, like apparently too, a few uh, American diplomats had claimed last week that they were forced to take anal swab tests as well. Or just put it in your mouth. (laughs) Like, what do they smell it before they capsulate it? Like, this is like a smeller there. Right. Like, I, mean, I, I know they're not going to stand up for themselves there, but like, just do something. Do you, is someone with you? Like, is someone there with you? <laughs> oh my God. Is there a guy in a room just wait? Oh my. What an awful job. You have to do it in front of them. Like, because like, I feel like no, if right, like, if you need to get to a certain depth to substantiate like these accuracy claims, right? It, it does seem like you do it on yourself, but is somebody watching you to make sure, like, because otherwise, who's going up that far, Jeff? <laughs> Right. Maybe that's why China did that whole uh, food law thing. You can't order too much food. So they made sure the anal swab worked. Maybe this was like a, a plan, plan ahead kind of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. I can't imagine the suits those people, those, those, those anal watchers will call them like, cause they, you're, you're right. They have to be in the room. Cause like everyone would just put it in your mouth and no, no one would complain about it. So there's just someone staring at you as you pull your pants down to do this. So apparently the U.S. government complained that the procedure was undignified in quotation marks and told the staff to decline the test if asked to take one. And then Beijing has since said that the mandatory for incoming travelers in some parts was given in error and diplomatic personnel were supposed to be exempt. <laughs> Can you so imagine? Go to China. You imagine like if we worked like we worked for like the State Department, they send us to China. We get you know you get off the plane in Beijing, and they're like, "Yeah, go jam this inside." Like I'll be like, right. nah, "I'm like just gonna get six, I'm gonna get 16, back on that plane and come home." Sixteen hour flight, drop you drop your pants in the airport. Right? Can you imagine? Like that's the last <laughs> thing that I want to do after getting off a plane. Oh well, grab your bag because you go into this in this little tent for a second with with this guy, <laughs> this guy right? in a hazmat suit. I mean, it looks like the the picture at least looks like you're doing it yourself, but I'm assuming if someone's there. I don't know. I don't know. There's, yeah, there's no photos of the actual. Uh, it just anal, shows a chair and a leg up. It's this is like almost porn. The diagram is fascinating. Like it's showing the guy, like literally the first graphic. You see, he's spreading his his ass cheeks. Like there's an <laughs> arrow. There's a hand on a cheek, and then there's an outward arrow. I want to see. Who, I want to see the, who who made this illustration. Like, what was the, what were they told to to put picture? Because this looks like you're making like a porn comic here. Yeah, like, yeah, like this falls into some disturbing categories of like mm-hmm. optics. And then it takes like 10 after completing the motion twice, the swab is removed before securely being placed inside a sample container. The whole process is said to take about 10 seconds, but prior to, um, to collect it, it needs uh, rotated several times. So not only are you <sighs> jamming it in there two inches, you're then moving it around <laughs> like a wine. I would just be like, throw me in jail. Yeah, I would rather just wait out the quarantine pre process or you know whatever there's no way i'm doing this I, I just, no especially these people from china uh from japan visiting um i would just say right no. like yeah like obviously like being a you know communist regime they can basically make their citizens do whatever they want but uh you know if i'm a foreign national there is no chance i'm agreeing to this no i'm like bringing my, my embassy or, or i'm just gonna quarantine like, right see you later yeah, exactly Good luck uh, to anybody traveling to China. Uh, Good, and- Good thing the Olympics isn't there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Imagine LeBron having to do an anal swab. That, that would be, <laughs> oh my God, that would be all over Twitter. <laughs> I mean, like we see him fall on the ground and he's not even hit. Can you imagine mm. having to take an anal swab? Uh, oh we'd, my be, God. we'd be picking out caskets for LeBron. 
Those dents would be falling down because he'd be flailing around him. <laughs> Sir, get up. Get <laughs> off the ground. Sorry, it didn't start yet. He didn't do anything. Yeah, right, yeah, they, just, they just take it out of the wrapper to hand it to him. <laughs> so you're still sitting down. Oh, unreal. Idiot. Our next story is in Sudan. A passenger plane is forced to perform an emergency landing after a cat attacked the pilot shortly after takeoff. Uh, so there was, this is a passenger plane and we actually looked this up and it, it appears to be a Boeing 737. So this is a legit aircraft. Uh, somehow the cat got into the plane and into the cockpit prior to takeoff and became extremely aggressive right after takeoff. And they tried to restrain the cat and it attacked the captain. And it got to the point where they had to make an emergency landing and return back to the airport that it took off from. Jeff, how does this happen? I have no idea. This is the craziest thing I've ever heard because you can read this thing a million times. You don't know what's happening. Like, where was this cat in the first place? How did it get into a cockpit of a plane? Like, you think those are kind of nowadays um, pretty, you know, it's pretty hard to get into a cockpit of, a, of an airplane, especially after, you know, things that have happened in this country. So, um, yeah, especially a, a plane that was bound from uh, Sudan to Qatar. Yeah. <laughs> We just walk in and talk to the pilots. This isn't like 1960 anymore. We're like, they give you little wings. They come show you the cockpit around. <laughs> yeah. Those days are done. I, mean, I guess they were done um, or I thought they were done, but I guess not. Cause you can bring cats. Cause it doesn't even say the article. Like I'm assuming they don't allow um, what are those like therapy animals, whatever they're called. Who knows? I mean, it, it doesn't like, seem they, like a place. People could that, be bringing chickens and stuff on the planes over for all we true. know. I mean, uh, you go. <laughs> no, I just I'm I don't understand how all right, like so what maybe let's say like they're doing like their you know the the pre-flight cleaning, you know, like I've you know the process, right? There's a bunch of people coming on and off the plane, you yeah. know, they're taking out trash, they're flushing the chemical toilets, they're bringing food on. So I understand like you know the the aircraft door is open, right? But shouldn't the cockpit be off limits and then also could, did you not know the cat was in there prior to takeoff like how so a boeing 737 has at least two pilots so there's at least a pilot and a co-pilot to my understanding yep so you're telling me that neither of them saw a cat before they closed that door for for takeoff so that i understand because immediately upon discovering a cat in the cockpit, that should have been remedied prior to taking off. So this plane had been in the air for a half hour when this cat just went berserk. Berserk. Like. <laughs> so the, the couple it, things as airline, you look at yeah, it. Yeah. Like, like, please tell me about that. Like, because I don't know how legitimate this is. What is the name of this airline? Uh, don't remember. Tar Tarco. Tar Tarco. That's it. So they look like they were established. It doesn't say when in 2009. It just says 2009. Um, and then, unfortunately, November 2010, the next year, uh, one of their planes blew up on the runway before they even took off. Oh, that's good. And they, you know, kind of made up numbers like, oh, only two were dead. But some people say one to six. So like <laughs> somewhere in there. 
Yeah, they didn't say what kind of plane it was. Like, I feel like there'd be if a plane blows up, it says it caught fire. Um, so that's why you know, I how don't understand not, how. How is it not died. worse? Like that's yeah. What, like, that just seems like one of those things where it's definitely worse. They are probably a year in, just paid little, someone off. Little because I mean sweep under the rug here, right? Well, because I mean this airport they're in in Kahartum, I think it is. It's the largest uh, metropolitan area in Sudan. The That's airport's the ca- yeah. in that. In the, this is the capital, the capital Sudan, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like Khartoum, I think. Yeah. Okay. Khartoum. So I don't know if they're paying people off because they they just started. Because you, you try to look up the key people, it says, and they don't have anything that exists. So I don't know what these people are. Um, it, like at least seems like a like they have. A, we looked this up. There's like a thousand employees. Like this, I guess it's the most legit airline that you can have but also it's sudan so like i guess they are the largest operator in sudan but like what does that even mean really you know when you have when you're dealing with a country like this you and i were, were joking like because we, we were we saw the other country you know it's flying to you know what nigeria all these other uh South third third yes yeah, third world you know Uganda. african countries and you know, all I can think of is the you know the Captain Phillips meme where the cat's in the car. We're like, look at me, I'm the captain now, and like that's the cat just like taking down a, a seven thirty seven, pretty, pretty you know basically more efficiently than you know a, a terrorist essentially. Like, yeah, I'm gonna it's just I'm, weird. Do you it's think weird? Like, do you think like Al Qaeda or other like, like caliphates are like looking at this like, huh? <laughs> is this that seemed a little easy? They uh, there's. Or, you know, they're going to start training cats, you know, to have them take down aircraft. Like, I I can't imagine it's a good look both for the airplane and any type of security that's uh, happening at the uh, Khartoum International Airport. No, especially if it's a large, like, it's not like it's in the middle of nowhere where it's like a dirt, a dirt track or anything. Like, this is like a legitimate airport. It looks legit, at least from the pictures. Yeah. I don't know if it looks like that. The capital of Sudan, like, they're operating. 10 Boeing Boeing 737s that we looked up like yeah there's they have like, like this yeah. is like the Malaysian air of like Africa Oof, is, is what this seems well, like maybe maybe not Malaysian air Malaysian air has like more accidents than this one at least reported um, <laughs> yeah um it just like imagine if you yeah, air, tra- I mean, air traffic control I wonder if we get like y'all like the the pilots like, yeah. shoot it <laughs> I don't think they have air marshals unless they just like, you know they have air I don't know. They, I feel like, like, the, the, the I feel like that region. Up. Yeah. I don't know. There's just like a, there's well, like an emergency, a, emergency AK in the, in the cockpit. I have no idea. You were just thinking in place, like not, I'm not bashing obviously that, you know, that, that region of the world, but with so much civil war going on and just like turmoil, you'd think sure. like security would be like number one on your mind. So like, not, not no human or, you know, animal could get onto your plane because, like, look at all places it goes to. Like, it just like blows my mind. Yeah, and that's a good point. You know, obviously that Sudan has dealt with their own issues. Uh, you know, in civil war and, and all of that, and so you would think that their security would be superb. Yeah, you know? it should be top notch because, you know. You just got to open up a history book or just open your eyes and see what everything going down over, over there for, you know, I'm 31 since I've been alive probably before I've been alive. There's no word of what happened to the cat. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have anything to report. Don't think it made it. 
I don't know if they called somebody in, like, I don't know what, you know, if the flight then took out, took, took off afterwards. I, I, we were lacking some details. Unfortunately, we actually had to do some of our own research on this particular topic, but it was much too entertaining to leave out this week. So there you have it. There you go. National sports is brought to you by Kinfolks award-winning barbecue, a taste from the deep down South. They're smoking up your favorites like pulled pork, beef, brisket, chicken, in ribs. They also offer delicious grannies fried chicken. You can check out the Taunton location online at kinfolksbbqma.com or on Facebook, Kinfolks Smoking BBQ. The Easton location website is eatkinfolks.com or on Facebook, Kinfolks BBQ and Fried Chicken. All right, Jeff, we'll start with some NFL news. Pretty big news, I would say. J.J. Watt has agreed on a two-year contract with the Arizona Cardinals. I think this caught some people by surprise. Um, we've had a few days to kind of ingest this and dissect it. This is going to be a two-year deal worth $31 million, which includes $23 million guaranteed. Now, to me, obviously, I would assume DeAndre Hopkins had a lot to do with recruiting J.J. Watt. I also think this is a pretty good haul for him because, you know, certainly he had a lot of choices, Jeff, um, and I'm sure probably at least half the league, depending on how much he, you know, wanted to make. And when it's all said and done, I really just settled on that. I know people laughed and, you know, were confused, but I actually don't mind it because this is a, a team that has the talent to be a playoff team. You know, I believe they were 500 last year, but, you know, probably could have been better, especially with, uh, you know, Kyler Murray having some injuries uh, last year, but I would say this is probably a playoff team and he's making a very substantial sum still. What do you make of this? So I thought it was a terrible signing. Not, well, not terrible. I think is maybe because contractually is what I'm saying. This guy is not a $16 million a year player anymore. The two to 31, that is grossly, he didn't even play a full season anymore. Or barely. Hold on. Let me stop you there, Jeff. Do you know what percentage of snaps J.J. Watt played last year? How many? 91%. The How many? Only, if he played on the Patriots, the only player that played more than that is Devin McCourty. Yeah, it's because three of the last four years, he only played 17 games. So he's, he's got plenty of time off. But that's the problem. He's always hurt. I mean, so is like, their franchise quarterback, though, right? You think he's worth $16 million a year? I do. I think that's a very, I think that's a fair deal. I think that is, I think that adequately compensates him. This is a future hall of famer, a guy that changes the game. And when you pair him up with Chandler Jones, this is probably the best, you know, bookends defensively in football. We'll see. He's old. He's 32. You don't know what he's going to, I mean, he just he did well last year. Doesn't he's gonna, I, I don't know. He's I wouldn't so versatile though. That's, I think that's the thing. He's not just a pass rusher. You can put him inside, outside. He does everything well. And I think he's only going to be better with, don't forget, like, you know, the dysfunction that he's had to play with the last, you know, few years in that, or, and, and we've talked, you know, at length about the utter incompetency of the Houston Texans. So I really, I think, you know, once I've had a chance to look at this, I, I don't mind it. And so I think what this came down to, right, Jeff is, you know, he, when I think about it, he probably could have made more probably, you know, maybe pushed it for a few million dollars with, you know, we, we talked Jacksonville or, you know, some team that's, you know, trying to make a splash perhaps, but also he obviously could have gone to a better team 
and taken significantly less money. You know, we've talked about some of the teams that, you know, might be a better fit, whether it's Tennessee, Buffalo, or, you know, if you wanted to play with his brother in Pittsburgh, but these teams that are much better than, than Arizona do not have even close to that money. So I think to go to a team that is a borderline playoff team and earn that type of money, I think it was very smart when you, when you look, you know, boil it down for, for JJ Watt. It is, I was a little surprised given that, you know, Arizona's does have a fairly good front seven, but I guess it just makes it all that much better there. And, you know, maybe they just, they hit the pause button on for another year from, you know, an offensive, like, you know, to replace Larry Fitz, who we don't know if, you know, that he's done or not. Yeah. I mean, for, I mean, so there's two parts for, for him. I mean, it's obviously a good deal for him, the individual. I mean, cause I did like, I just don't see him getting paid this much money at this time. I, I, I know he had an all right season. just like with that back. And like, I, I just don't see him as a guy that's going to, with that, that line already being so like, what's he, he could have an impact obviously, but like, did they really need him? Like, not really. They, they have other holes to fill and especially the Cardinals. I mean, they only had 11 million in, in, in cap room. Now they're in salary cap jail and they have to restructure something just to get the, one guy. It's, I wonder though, if this was to maybe lock in some of the other defenders to buy in, because we've talked about Patrick Peterson possibly being, on the out, but if this is a team that is committed to the defense, maybe Pat Peterson restructures and then, you know, on offense, possibly, you know, maybe Hopkins restructures to obviously these guys aren't taking discounts, but when, you know, when I say restructure, they're, you know, basically guaranteeing more money to free up salary cap space essentially. And, you know, maybe Chandler Jones, maybe, you know, I think that maybe this is going to possibly, you know, just get some other guys amped up that like, Hey, we're committed to this team. Instead of like, like when I looked at Arizona last year, like, you know, obviously you see Hopkins and you see Kyler Murray, but like, there's really not much else going on. Like from a, from a receiving perspective, you know, you have an aging Larry Fitzgerald, you know, you have like Christian Kirk who maybe not as uh, done exactly what they wanted to do when they made that draft pick, but they, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't hate it. The more I look into it. I'm just I, I, not like I absolutely hate it. I just feel like, you know, no matter what you have to do, like, I just, why put yourself in the situation? Cause like, yeah, I know you said you can do the, the salary cap gymnastics. I know well, we but, know the caps, I mean, the caps fake. So like, <laughs> but, but for like this salary, you could have signed like a couple, I, I don't know. It really depends where they kind of. No, I get they, it. Like, I would love to have had. a legit wide receiver opposite of Hopkins and like really transform that offense. Like, I do agree. I get where you're coming from in that aspect. Yeah. And ultimately, I think it's going to be like if you get a healthy JJ Watt, you know, I think it's worth it all day. But you're right. Like, there are some question marks as to how many games he's going to play. But when he is on the field, this is not a guy that like has like different speeds. Like, it's all the way up. Like this is not oh, somebody yeah. that takes plays oh, off nothing wrong. or anything motor, like no. that. <laughs> I'll feel, I'll feel different about this. If they go out, and, you know, they clear some cap and stuff and they somehow get more players because they need people on offense. I mean, defense is pretty good, you know, with the line, Buda Baker and Jones. Sure. But like they, if they, if they're able to somehow add more and still get him, then I'll feel better about it. But if this is it for them, free agency wise, like big splash for a team that has the potential they do. I wouldn't see. It. I would. 
feel it worth it. So this will be a TBD until I see what they do. I hear you. And I think a lot of people will be surprised to, to say that like he played 16 games last year. So mm-hmm. I, I think that comes as a surprise to a lot of people. Uh, you know, I, I know maybe this was a very unusual season, so people may not be aware of that, you know, but JJ Watt played 16 games last year and played 91% of the snap. So that's a great sign. You know, obviously if you're, because if this was a year prior, right, where he played eight games and what was that, like a torn biceps or, or something like that, you know, yeah, it was his I, think, I think that would be a different story, but coming back and proving this past year with like an Ironman type season, that's clearly what got him this contract, Jeff, I would say. Right. Oh, definitely. For sure. I mean, just on merit alone. And I get it. It's just like to sacrifice, to sign one guy to sacrifice adding more to a team because JJ Watt's not going to make them a, a championship contender. No, I mean, and he makes them, you like you said, a playoff, not championship. There's, there's, there's two not, different, not yet. You're right. There's two different lines there. They need so some, they need another offense. They'd have piece. to add more. I would agree with that. Right. So if they can do that with this, then I, then, then this looks amazing. If they can do add an offense to this, then that's why I'll, I'll wait to my final judgment. But as of right now, I'm on the, the iffy side. Yeah. Let's see what they do with the draft. You know, let's see what happens in the first round for, yeah. for them and, and how things progress in, you know, this market. This this next story, yeah. uh, we we found a little amusing. So, David Carr, the retired Carr, uh, the other day had suggested that the Raiders should trade for Russell Wilson. Yes, the Raiders, the team his brother plays for, and this was an article that was posted online, but then curiously revised. And so, the part that was revised, the original version stated. If I'm one of these four teams, and those four teams uh, were uh, the Raiders, um, or geez, where they're uh, Raiders, Bears, Cowboys, and Saints. So, if I'm one of those four teams, I'm picking up the phone yesterday. End quote. And then the new version said, "quote If I'm a QB needy team, I'm picking up the phone yesterday." End quote. So Jeff did uh, did Mama Car or his brother see this and be like, yo, why, why are you throwing your brother under the bus? And then they go in and make this edit here. Oh, mom definitely got involved in this. Cause I can only imagine once this was said, I, I bet you David's like, you hear what you're saying? I mean, Derek, Derek's brother, do you see what David's saying about me right now? Now, mind you, maybe they give him a little lean way. Cause he's, t- he took a lot of shots in his career. So I don't know if, you know, upstairs is, is still, you know, as, as bright as it used to be. I mean, David got smashed in Houston for how many years? I mean, maybe if he had Brady's concussion water, you know, he might have fared better. But I always wondered uh, how he would have fared elsewhere. You know, I feel like that I mean, was he a showed flashes. And we can probably talk about, but like he showed flashes. It just like he was just getting humbled. I don't think he ever had time to really read anything. No, and we actually this has come up before where we, you know, like at the, at the time it was a record for you know most sacked quarterback quarterback in a season. I've don't remember what season, but one of those seasons in Houston, I know the record was set for, you know, the quarterback being sacked. I don't know, 50 something. It was something obscene, I think. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So who who knows? But um, I just don't know what he was thinking. Unless he was meant to say Bears, Cowboys, Saints, and and, and mental health. I don't know what happened. I don't even know really know how to defend him. I 
because what you see, like you hear and you've watched, like there's like a well, not a thirty for thirty, but there's like an ESPN short on on this family and like Derek and David. It seems like they get get along very well. Like they're a very close family. Is I remember watching the little. I can't remember. If it, was, it wasn't the thirty for thirty, but it's one of those short films they yeah. do. It's not like it's like a broken family, like the Franconas or something that like hate each other. Um, so it was weird. Really weird. This also doesn't help the notion that many people have a distrust for the NFL. So this article was on NFL.com. And now the article contains no indication that it was revised or edited. They didn't change the timestamp. And so, you know, normally like when you read a news article and there's an edit, you know, you'll see updated in the time or you'll see at the bottom, they'll have editor's notes. This had zero indication that the, so this was done very sneakily, <laughs> you know, to, but the fact that they never changed the timestamp indicated it was updated, no editor's notes, very sketchy. And then we found out that this is a rumor. And I, I apparently Derek did text his brother WTF question mark to David. So I can't imagine, obviously he did not like what his brother had to say about him. And I, I can understand that. I, at the same time though, if like, I, I feel like the teams that shouldn't or couldn't use Russell Wilson, you can count on one hand, right? Like right. the teams like not making that deal, like what, like the chiefs, the chargers, the bills, I, the Packers probably wouldn't because Aaron Rodgers would have a meltdown, but like, I mean, you're looking for upgrades. I mean, like, even the Chargers about, like, could take him if they wanted to win now. I don't. They they wouldn't though. Like, there's they no, wouldn't. But he's an upgrade. He's an upgrade over most. But most like, I, I guess what I'm saying is, there's only like five teams that probably wouldn't tr- like attempt to get Russell Wilson. So I don't. I think the reason that probably Derek was offended was that he only listed four when he said. You know, um, if I'm one of these four teams, the Raiders, Bears, Cowboys, and Saints, like I guess, you know, you threw you threw your brother in with a, the Cowboys, you don't have a quarterback signed, the Bears, who effectively don't have a quarterback, the Saints, whose franchise quarterback is most likely retiring, and then your brother, your who actually had a pretty good season. <laughs> yeah, not so, for nothing, like. Had a better career than you did. Correct. You're right. You were first pick in in the draft. Yeah. In a very short amount of time. Like, what are we talking? Four years here? Four or five years? Five years. That was his fifth year, right? Yeah. So in five years, your brother accomplished more than you did probably in your entire career. Yeah. And again, like, like, I'm not here to beat up David Carr because I don't, because ultimately I, I appreciate, you know, honest insight. And obviously like Russell Wilson is an improvement over Derek Carr. So it, I, I found this to just be a very interesting situation. And then the fact that NFL.com quietly edited this, I think just adds to the intrigue along with the text message uh, allegation. Right. That's the problem with like NFL.com and like the NFL altogether. Like the, some of the people they have talking about certain teams, like this one, like obviously talking about his brother's team, but like you have all those honks for those teams, like the Rodney Harris and like, Patriots can lose by 50 and he'd be like, ah, oh, now nah, they played great. They played they great. need him because be like, to off to balance Tony Dungy out. Right. <laughs> right? But, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, so it gets worse because he has to be there because Tony Dungy will say, you know, so 
they I think they just need to wipe it clean and like get all new people because like I'm not overly shocked that this happened, especially with the no edit stamp and all that stuff, because like they just have the wrong people. I mean, they I don't think they have the best people that are for the I don't like either. the fact I don't like the leagues or teams running their having their own media to to be honest with you because it's i always have you know it's the same thing right like like patriots.com for instance like they're probably one they are you know i will say like paul perillo is uh you know critic critical of the patriots when he but a lot of teams like are not going to do that like i can tell you that's not the case with other teams um nhl.com seems okay but you know, in ML, MLB.com has a lot of report, or at least they have had, they've even had team reporters. And yeah, so they have a minor league section too. Like they have a lot of outside, like it's not three people. I always just wonder, like, and you know, like, but does anyone think like the NFL and like, this is just proof of that. Like the NFL is just not above board when it comes to their own media department, clearly if they're doing things like this. No, then they're not. And like the people who likes Tony Dungy? Now they're going to bring it back up. But like, how does he have a like? Who's like, wow, I'm so excited to listen to his insight because he's really good. It's just like they have the wrong and, people in uh, NBC. Just, and so, I mean, we we're talking about NFL.com, but NBC in general doesn't have great uh, football a football package, if you may. So obviously, you know, you have Dungy and Harrison, but. And obviously, I, I you know I, I like Rodney, but I, you know, obviously I'm a little biased in that aspect. And just because I feel like it's necessary oh, because that. Tony Dungy is such a honk. But oh. but then if you look at like so this is sourced this article that we were reading was sourced from Pro Football Talk, yep. which is another ridiculousness in it. And like some of the stuff that Mike Florio says is utterly ridiculous. They have Chris Sims employed, which Chris Sims the, is the man like the, the guy should be locked up somewhere away from a <laughs> microphone. Like it's so utterly bad. Like He's I feel the like worst. the only thing like NBC Sports I feel like has going for them anymore is like Al Michaels. Like that I love like, Al Michaels. Like that is the only like saving grace I feel like of anybody at NBC Sports. It's gone like totally down. Like you know Mike Emrick retired. Like what what do we have left at NBC Sports at this point? I I, I like Kenny I Albert's done a good job. So that's not to say, but like there's just the some of the reporting is just extremely poor. It's just bottom of the barrel. I, I bet no one wants a job, so they just pick anyone that says, like, I'll do it. Sad. Right. And then, or just drumming up just pure controversy just to get, like, clicks. Like, yep. like Florio. And, like, by the way, that it's show is, I don't know if you ever watched bait. that show. It's unwatchable. It's so bad. Going with him and Sims? Yeah. The more uh, pro football talk. The, the show. The show on, is Like, the every morning. or It's so bad. I, I can't watch it. Like, they're literally just kind of come up with, like, conspiracies i feel like to to make people purposely upset which i guess oh, yeah. is really ultimately not an nbc issue could because it happens on espn and fox sports as well with these people that should not be employed yeah, but right. like the thing oh the thing that just we're getting off top a little bit but the other day like florio like <laughs> i don't know if you saw that list of like 20 quarterbacks that they thought like cam newton was better than did you catch yeah. that at all yeah he he I was right. That's after he said that he's like better. He's not as bad as like 32 at like starters. And then they like brought that list out and it was ridiculous. And I was like, and I'm reading this list and I'm like struggling to even like find like one. Like and I think it was like watching. I think like, yeah, I couldn't like the only, I think the only quarterback I'd rather have Cam Newton over was like, I don't think it's like Andy Dalton or somebody just because I have an absolute disdain for Andy Dalton. But like, 
I couldn't believe like what the that list and I wish we had the names, but like there were like average quarterbacks that were like on that list. Yeah, I'm like this the like, Kim's spiking balls five yards. Like what what are you talking there's, about? There's something wrong with the man's shoulder. <laughs> like yeah. And it's I've like, been why can't you just I've take what biggest, he said? I've been the biggest defender of Cam Newton because I really appreciate the way he showed up in the way he carried himself. And I feel bad because I ultimately think like that shoulder injury is like debilitating to the point. I don't think he can throw anymore. And so like, I don't have anything bad to say about Cam Newton, but like, it's the facts, like the fact that you think that all these people can produce better than someone that literally can't throw because of a shoulder injury is just baffling to me. No. Yeah, it is baffling. All right, Jeff, we have some clarity on the NBA all-star game festivities. We now know the participants of the slam dunk contest, three-point contest, and the skills challenge. And they really just waited till the last minute because we just found out this information actually today, this evening. So I'm not really sure why they waited, maybe to see who was going to commit. But um, it looks like the three-point and the skills challenge should be entertaining but the slam dunk contest, I feel like, again, is uh, a little bit uh, blah. So 2000, the winner last year, Derek Jones is not defending his crown. You're going to get uh, Nick's rookie will be Toppin, who did have pretty impressive highlight reel when he was at Dayton. Then you're going to have uh, the Trailblazers, Anthony Simons, and Pacers guard Cassius Stanley. So... We got three people, probably none of which anybody cares about. I don't understand really, but apparently numerous people have declined from what we understand now, uh, including Jalen Brown apparently declined and some other people. So what do you think about the, before we get on to you know, anything further, what do you think about the dunk contest participants here? It's just boring. Like, why are we not having, like, just the OG crew we know who could throw down? Like, I don't know why we're just, like, none of these really, like, stick out to me. Like, I remember when the dunk contest used to be, like, not the, I'm going to sound old. Like, like must the, see. The bee's knees. Like, it, that was the only thing you wanted to watch because, like, it was just these, like, like super Carter. athletic. Yeah, like, Vince Carter. Like, like, and here we are now with a bunch. Like, why, why are there, like, they're not even all stars, if I'm if I'm correct. No, and which I don't mind, but like it, at least like be like some of these guys, I feel like, but apparently they have issues like trying to get people. So Anthony Edwards, the Timberwolves rookie, was pretty fun to watch. Uh, he apparently declined as well. I know, you know, we, I would have loved to seen Zion in this, and we'll get to Zion in a second because he's going to participate elsewhere, but. I really wish the league could do a better job of getting some entertaining people or at least some household names into the dunk contest. Like, you know, it had in, in past years, it, but it's, it seems like it's getting watered down more and more, you know, as the years go on. Yeah. It's not even enjoyable to watch. Like, like this one, if, if I happen to be, have nothing to watch on Sunday, like I'll pop it over, you know, but like once it's during halftime of the all-star game, but like, I'll, I'll, I might watch like 32 seconds of the all-star game and I'll just be too infuriated. So like, if I find nothing else to watch during halftime, maybe I'll pop on the dunk contest, but this doesn't even, I, I was really going into this all-star game because I knew my feelings on all-star games are just a joke. 
I was looking forward to watching the dunk contest. You know, not watching the rest of it, wait until that's over. And now I don't even care at all. Like, I might not even turn it on. Maybe, like I said, maybe 30 seconds, they'll, they'll, they'll get my attention, but there's just nothing to. And just to kind of reiterate what we've talked about before. So the skills challenge and three-point contests are slated to begin at 6.30 Eastern time prior to the game. The game is scheduled for 8 p.m. The slam dunk contest is scheduled for halftime of the All-Star game. So they're going to hold you hostage to watch the slam dunk contest, it seems like here, which not a bad idea when you're putting out this subpar slam dunk product is what it seems like here. But if you're interested in the skills challenge or a three-point contest, that's set to begin at 6.30, which is about an hour and a half prior to the game. So the participants for the three-point contest, if you're a Celtics fan, you may want to pay attention here. Devin Booker, Stephen Curry, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell. This seems like a pretty strong group. Zach Levine obviously is interesting. Like he reminds you of like, you know, like was it Brent Barry that competed in the slam dunk and the three point, but you know, yep. back in the day. Like, so that's pretty cool. Um, he's had a great year. So the thing obviously that bothers Celtics fans is Jason Tatum and specifically Jalen Brown, who has missed games with knee tendonitis. We'll get to that a little bit later in the program, but overall I would, you know, on paper, these are all household names. These are all elite players. And so this, I, I'm looking forward to seeing this competition, right? Like this seems like it, at least on paper looks fine. Yeah. But this is what bugs me. So Zach leads doing the three point. Why are we not having him do the dog contest? And so maybe, you know, maybe he said he'd rather do this, you know, he had a pretty horrific knee injury a few years ago. And so maybe that dunk. has something to do. Yeah. Like, but like, you know, maybe he has done the dunk contest before, right? Yeah. It was really so, well. So maybe this is on his checklist. Like, Hey, I want to be one of those few guys that has done both. And I don't know, you know, Brent Barry came to mind, but like, I don't know who else. Uh, I, can't, that did, I can remember who else has done both. This is deep though, but I think for sure that it's going to, it's going to go to Curry. That dude can, Shoot it out of an airplane into like a. Yeah, like obviously, if you look at this at face value, obviously Cardi looks like he has the edge. But but it's as a we've, good group though overall. Yeah, like good. we've seen, like it's all about who gets hot and like who can yeah. perform at the right time. Like you know, Paul Pierce has won a couple of these. Yeah, but this is how it should be though. So this this should be this the dunk contest should have the same equivalent as this. Like this one really like so you Steph Curry obviously has the edge I would say, but any of these players could win this contest like sure absolutely I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't really know about the dunk aspect but like the dunk contest should have that same feel to it like they're all pretty close maybe one's more favored but like there's no one that's out of it but like it's yeah, just and i don't even know enough about like like i've seen like i've seen some of ob top and stuff just because he was a first round draft pick last year like that that caught my attention Celtics. yeah exactly but like i you know i don't see I don't watch that much Portland Trailblazers basketball, so I don't know that much about Anthony Simons. You know, I don't, Cassius Stanley obviously is, you know, like what, fourth or fifth on your on your list of pacers, right? Like there's so many guys like that you talk about ahead of Cassius yeah. Stanley, including Sabonis, who I'm going to talk about now in a second, Jeff. So they the league did a good job with three-point. Now, the skills challenge actually looks good as well. And I feel like when that first started, that was kind of the opposite. That was more of some 
people that maybe we didn't care about. And like, cause this was like the third fiddle of, you know, events for the league. So the participants for the skills challenge, Robert Covington, Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis, and Nikolai Vucevic. So that to me is a great group. And the league's done a good job with this previously is they'll usually put, you know, three, three or so, you know, big dudes. And then, you know, a few, you know, a few smaller. So they try and balance, they try and balance it out. In this case, you know, uh, Luca Doncic kind of like fills both roles, but you know, it's nice to see this group that they have here. And I have no, I have no qualm with this. You No, I love it. So I, I've always kind of liked the skills competition, uh, especially because it's interesting kind of like the obstacle course it reminds me of the football one, the quarterback one they, they, they do uh, for uh, the pro bowl. Um, and it's always great when you have like a center versus guard in the finals and watching that unfold. Cause like, who was it a couple of years ago that won the skills competition? I can't remember who, but anyways, it's always very interesting. I like it. I think it's a good mix of people. I mean, they're all super athletic. Even, even um, the, we'll call them bigs for this um, are super athletic. So th- that should be good. I'll tell you who I would have liked to see in either this or probably this event is uh Nikolai Jokic, who I absolutely love. Uh, I would have loved to seen him in this, but another European player that we've talked about from a Celtics perspective is Vucevic. And so maybe some Celtics fans can uh, get familiar with him in this uh, event to see if he's somebody that you want uh, on your team very shortly. Yeah. Cause they need someone. That's, that's a whole other story, but yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that shortly, but uh, two out of three, I guess, isn't bad. And hopefully at least there's some, there'll be at least something entertaining in the slam dunk contest. We just don't know obviously what, what that will be at this juncture, but uh, I'm, I'm sure these guys at least have something fun planned. Something yeah. we all need, especially given the uh, terrible last year or so, and just enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Tatum won it two years ago. That's it. But uh, that's the whole I was thinking about. Tatum won the skills competition two years ago. That's who it was. I was thinking of Porzingis. Porzingis won it as well. So it's, it's a mix of like big yeah, guys. Yeah, that's what's cool guys. about it. You can have people of, you know, a lot uh, of different backgrounds, you know, participating in an event. You know, it's not like. Yeah. Bam won it last. Like you look down the list of winners, it goes like guard and like center, center. So that's a, that's the most interesting thing to me. It's like. Well, even going back far and Patrick Beverly won, won like, yeah, then, know, then it, Carl Anthony been... Towns, then Porzingis, then uh, Dinwiddle, then Tatum, bam. Like, it's like a yeah, it, random mix of people. It's definitely a, an interesting group here. So, yeah, uh, you look at this list, it's great. The times are very different too. I was looking, but I think they've changed the event so now, so it's not uh, necessarily uh, comparable, but uh, yeah. So, all right, not bad NBA. Two out of three. Uh, we'll keep an eye out. Not bad. All right, Jeff, on to local sports. Who's our sponsor? So our sponsor is Jalen's Cafe. Uh, it's located in the Prime Service Station at 414 West Grove Street in Middleborough. Uh, Jalen's offers up a selection of homemade specials served daily from empanadas, Jamaican beef patties, the pizzas, subs, and many more. Um, they have daily, daily specials on their Facebook page that come out every morning. Um, so you can always get a wide variety of food. Uh, give them a call, 774-213-5153. Thank you, Jeff. 
We'll begin with some Bruins news, and in particular, Charlie McAvoy and his play has just been spectacular. You know, he's been one of the best defensemen in hockey this year and definitely is in the Norris conversation at the moment. Some of these numbers are just unbelievable, these five-on-five numbers, and obviously he just you know, took over that, that Rangers game on Sunday afternoon. And, you know, you and I were looking at this, this chart here, you know, that, that has uh, attempts, shots on goal and scoring chances with McAvoy on the ice. And then without McAvoy on the ice. And it's unbelievable. What did you think about, you know, his effort in the Rangers game and then just in general this season and what, you know, ultimately like what he's meant to this team, especially with a lot of unknown defensemen coming into this year. Oh, he's meant everything to this team. I mean, this year alone, he, you can see the massive jump he's taken as a player. I mean, everyone was saying like, I mean, obviously he's been, I would say he's been better than Char since, you know, even last year, but everyone was worried. Like, what's he going to do? Cause he's going to be the guy back there. You know, number one pair. Um, basically by himself now there's no one to kind of lean on for advice and stuff like that but like he has taken this in stride i mean like you said the numbers the shot attempts like 31 shot attempts with him on the ice only nine with him nine without him on the ice that's incredible it's a big deal when your offense runs that much through your defenseman yeah like a scoring chances 12 with him on the ice three with him out like he's a major factor and like it looks like so last year I was worried because offensive game it was it was terrible for a, I would say probably three quarters of the season we'll call it. I mean he wasn't scoring. Um, this year it looks like his offensive game is is picked up. It looks like he's figured that part part out and, and his defense is still solid. So um, this is very good to see. It, it if there wasn't so many injuries on defense, it would make this Char thing look even better because I think people are like you should have kept him now because there's people hurt, but like. He didn't need him. Like, sure. McAvoy's the guy. So it was, it's good to see. His well roundedness is, you know, very rare these days. Very rare these days because, you know, when you talk about how much of the offense goes through him, but he's not the offense only type. You know, he's, he's much more valuable than, you know, an Eric Carlson or even, you know, Chris Letang in his prime, because, you know, sometimes those, those guys are, can be liabilities on defense, you know, and not, you know, not to the point of, you know, some people we've seen in the past, you know, that the Bruins have had and Tori, Tori crew got, was like that early on, but you know, he, he was got better on defense, but I think with McAvoy and it almost was like last year as to kind of what you said, he almost was like focusing more and, you know, I don't know if that had something to do with Chara and, you know, him being more responsible, you know, but to the, now it seems like he's taken that step forward because we knew how skilled he, he is. And we knew that we were going to get this type of production eventually. Um, And it's just so impressive to see this kind of come together before our eyes, especially when, you know, there's a lot of pressure as we talked about when, you know, when Char uh, announced his departure, you know, we immediately, that was, I think probably the first thing we thought of was like, Hey, this is going to put a lot of pressure on McAvoy to be the, like a, the lockdown guy in the leader on the blue line. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's excelled. I mean, in every, every way it's not even, I mean, I know like, like I talked about briefly the offensive game I and mean, he's clearly worked on that. Cause that that's clicked. Cause like you said, 
we, we knew it was potential, I guess, in my mind, I hoped he reached that. Cause I was just really worried after that last year. But I mean, the thing I love about him is like, he does it everything. Like he throws his body around. He's not afraid ready to get in someone's face. Right. You know, knock a few teeth out, like not fights, but like he'll smash against the boards and then go up and, you know, start an odd man rush, you know? So, um, it's really good to see because the weight's on his shoulders and he, he can carry it. So, and, you know, and, you know, to your point, like in, in that Rangers game on Sundays, you know, he played on the power play, played on the penalty kill, but I, he, he led defensemen in, in on ice time. One of the things I thought was interesting though, is almost like, I think a lot of the other players feed off him and somebody who hasn't played much, but we've been patiently waiting for it is Vaka nine. And, and he's been very good so far. And he was actually the second leader in ice time in that game and was a plus two. And so, you know, I, I think it's, it's interesting to, because I think McAvoy is kind of what Vaka nine could aspire to be both, you know, well-rounded defenseman, you know, both offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's great to have a young leader like that, that a lot of these other guys that, you know, other than like, you know, Kevin Miller and Camper, who's had to play like, they really don't have like a big time veteran presence, especially a skilled one for, you know, for, for that matter. Yeah. So it just, I, I think it brings so much to the team. And then, you know, obviously they won that game four to one and, you know, the offense was constantly going through him and it's helped not, so not only has it helped the blue line, but it's helped every, you know, the forward group as well. Yeah. It's been incredible. And especially, I mean, Give him credit. Vaknin has done well, especially, you know, from not playing to be on the first pair. I mean, he was <laughs> down in Providence a couple of weeks ago. So um, I think the they best did a thing good is- job bringing him slowly, by the way, I think I don't think oh, yeah. I don't have any criticism on the way that's been handled. No, but it, I mean, so in my mind, at least, maybe you have a different opinion, but Vaknin, like Vaknin, I don't really notice him during the game too much. Like I know he's on the ice, obviously, but I don't notice him doing anything. I think it's because like McAvoy just is just this commanding presence that like he's such a magnificent, where, like, sk- like magnificent skater. He has a great. That's what like, I'm, I'm not like, going to throw around like Bobby Orr because that's no. you know sacrilege. But like no. he he Close. might be the best. He's probably the best skater on the team. Oh yeah, and you just you just notice him like you know in the boards bumping people, checking you know. So you don't really notice back and nine too much. Like every once in a while, the puck will go the other way around the boards. Like, Oh yeah. Back nine is there. So, I mean, credit back and nine. And you're, if you're not being, if you're with a player of that caliber of McAvoy and you're not being seen, that probably means you're doing the right thing, which isn't a bad thing. Like you're not getting, you're not standing out for the wrong reasons. It's just McAvoy so good. You're not standing out for the good ones. I guess when you look at it on tape uh, on TV, but um, when you go back and look at it, you know, back and nine has been good. So if that can be the pair, I mean, I would, I'm not going to cry, cry over that. No, not at all. If that can, if that can, I can keep it up. So we'll see. I did want to mention this game again. We, we've been hard on Charlie Coyle and I thought he had an excellent game, you know, against the Rangers. Uh, he had a couple goals, but he was also excellent from the dot because he hadn't been previously. Um, but he, I think he was at 66.7 um, on faceoffs in that game. And I just thought overall, I thought this was, it might have been his best game of the year, uh, quite possibly. So uh, I'm glad to see him bounce back because they obviously need it, you know. And I, I think because I think it also takes some pressure off Studnika too, who's been you know thrown in here um, with Krejci out, 
Um, also, it seems like Krejci might be back soon as well. So that's certainly good news. But um, I thought this was a very good game and a good bounce back game for them in general. because I think they really needed that. Yeah, I think it was really good. I mean, from you know the first six minutes of that Nick Ritchie uh, elbow, look like the people's elbow on, on the Rangers goalie. <laughs> Cut him up and get him going. Yeah. Um, no, they look good. I mean, Coyle's. I'm the jury's still out for me on Coyle. I mean, he, he had a good game, but that goal, his first goal, I mean, I'm not going to count as empty netter, but his the one goal he had was kind of greasy. I mean, it wasn't sure. It wasn't the most finesse, but um, yeah. I mean, they're all they're all played well. It was a good game. Um, defense stood up. I like the Richie Lemieux fight at the end of the of the game. Yes. As as the horn sounded, they were still throwing fists. So, um, all in all, a great game. I mean, they needed it after getting their doors blown off, letting up 13 goals in two games. They needed to have a bounce back. So, I totally agree back. with that. So, they may be getting some help at some point when we don't know, but in particular, some news that broke. They signed one of their top prospects to an entry level deal. That is winger Curtis Hall. He's 20 years old and uh, was playing at Yale University. So smart guy, clearly. Uh, but uh, this is going to count $925,000 against the cap. He's already played a game in Providence. He was uh, dealing with a lower body injury. But this is interesting, too, because one thing we've talked about in particular, and one reason why we like Trent Frederick, is the size. And so you know, Curtis Hall, 6'4", 212. And I think that's one thing I think that we we thought previously was something that was lacking. And I think that's kind of why I think I was excited to see like Frederick get to play on the third line um, because of some of that toughness that's brought. Now, you know, obviously being a collegiate athlete, I can't tell you, you know, what his uh, petulance for violence is uh, certainly, but um, I, I do welcome the size addition and hopefully we'll get to see him at some point. He was a fourth round pick back in 2018. What did you think of this? Uh, anything to add here? So I, I thought it was, I mean, it's, you look at his size, you know, he, he had 27 points uh, last season at Yale. So I mean, he can score. I think he had 17 goals, 10 assists. So he scores more than he, than he, uh, the helpers, but that's pretty healthy for, for college, by the way. Yeah. It's very good. So <laughs> 17 um, goals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love the size. I mean, I know the hockey is going to those small, fast people, but I like people that can throw throw their weight around. And you know, we've talked about it a lot. They're gonna they need help in those lower lines, like they or even the second line. But if you can move, you know, you can, it's just like people like DeBrusque. Like we can probably talk about it another day, but like that dude's. I think he's done. I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he has it. I. I just think it's up. The road's over for him. Um, I just can't send him on the ice to be honest with you. So like, maybe that could be a replacement for someone like DeBrusque or something. So they need somebody that can ultimately play on the top six. I, you know, I don't, I have no yeah, idea what the DeBrusque can't do it. Are. No, can't. it's certainly not going that way at all. And you know, I, I mean, Anything I don't helps, want to so get ahead of ourselves saying a 20 year old that's never played in the NHL is going to be a second line winger this, this season. You know, I, that's not no. fair. But, you know, I, it would, I think it's certainly something for people to keep an eye on. You know, the, I know the AHL season has been a little weird. I know we've been trying yeah. to keep an eye on things, but uh, it's been a little unusual, especially given their division is what, like three teams in, <laughs> this year, I think. In, for Yeah. I mean, even province. if you be bought. Yeah. 
just have him be bottom six, you know, maybe move coil can play a little wing, have coil. You can move coil up to a wing, you know, second line wing or something or whatever. You, you can, you can mix and match. If you can get this guy to be a decent bottom six, even a fourth line, you can move Corrali up. I mean, you have so many options. If you can just solidify below, you can tweak the top two lines. If it wants you solidify the third and fourth. So if this guy can come in and just give them something that I mean, it helps them out. So. And just uh, one note, uh, <laughs> I was looking up some AHL news. They they beat the uh, Hartford Wolfpack on Tuesday evening, but uh, Samuel Aslan had a hat trick for Providence, nice. so that's cool. Nice. Um, again, like I, I think because it's such an odd year, it's certainly interesting to keep an eye on you know some things like this and what's you know in the pipeline, especially because we've already seen so many new faces, you know. Um, on the blue line in particular, but something to keep an eye on and uh, should be fun. I, and I, again, I would not be surprised if you see him at some point this year. No. Be- on to some Celtics. The Celtics are playing the Clippers as we're recording tonight, Jeff. Uh, right now it's in the third quarter. They're losing by five, but um, interesting note, Jalen Brown is available this evening, which is a good note as he has certainly missed some time. As we talked about earlier in the show, it appears that he has uh, accepted an invitation to not only to the all-star game, but to the three point contest, which to me seems just absolutely reckless and irresponsible. You know, he missed another game as recently as the other day due to the knee soreness I just I don't understand why the team is even allowing him to go, and then he's competing in a three point contest is just utterly ridiculous. I, what do you what do you think? Well, you nail it on the head. I mean, I I, I can only imagine. I mean, someone's gonna Ainge or, or Stevens will sit him down and be like, "Hey, you know that like we're kind of playing like garbage right now. We're like the, between the seventh and ninth seed right now in the Eastern Conference. Like maybe you shouldn't go." I don't think I, I honestly don't think Tatum or Brown should be going at all. Like I don't right. even care just for COVID reasons. Um, that alone, I don't think you should even go, even to watch. I mean, just stay home, especially with heal up. You know, yeah, I mean Brown's got tendonitis, so that, that doesn't usually go away. Like, I mean, he didn't play be... on Sunday against the Wizards, right? He didn't play. So this is this is going to be like what what happened last year. Kemba played over his minutes right. in the All Star game, and he was done. He's done. I mean, it looks like he's having a good game as we're recording right now. He's playing well in the Clippers game, but like he's had way more bad games this year than good games and he can't play back to back. So like he's basically, I mean, we, we can talk about Kemba all night, but um, so I, I'm so I'll be surprised. I mean, if they, he doesn't bow out by Thursday, I think Thursday is the last I'm game, just, uh, last it, days. So we didn't find out though about this three point contest until today. And so yep. that we, and we heard about people that had declined other for other competitions. So uh, they obviously like were waiting to hear from players before True. they could announce this. So to me, it sounds like he's ready to go for the three point contest when he didn't even, he couldn't even play on Sunday. I, I just I think it's absolutely insane to me that, that he would be allowed to do this. Well, this is, I mean, this always comes back every time we talk about NBA. It's because the players leave. Either, either because Brad, you're, rest, you're resting up, 
for the all-star game is what it like well if, if they're like if if you know brad stevens walked and said hey 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 jalen can you not do it they'd be like nah trade me trade me now like his brad stevens doesn't have any power so like what do you do because this league well, they danny, need to fix this league danny needs to step in i don't think, I don't think that's really brad's what's, thing but like danny needs what's he gonna to say he's like danny down. trade me then i mean you're not getting all traded. right tra- sit out then i'm gonna sit i'm not gonna play anymore i feel like ultimately this is like up to the to the team but like i just don't like like i don't think anyone thinks this is like okay you literally couldn't play on sunday why should you be able to play in the all-star game yeah like this is is like a this is like the it's like the chiefs going to the super bowl and and mahomes playing the week before in the in the pro bowl it's like nah i haven't been there before i really want to go like you know, the team would say you can't go, and the player would be like, "Oh, that that sucks," but okay. But the NBA, it's not that way. The NBA, you can do whatever you want. It's a player-run league. We all know it. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what the it, the Ainge says. It doesn't matter what Stephen says. Um, you can do whatever you want. So it just seems so selfish to me too, because, like you know, as much as we've had to say about Kemba Walker, I I feel like he's just gutting through a really bad knee situation like we know it's like the guy's got like bone on bone and he's trying to go i mean the guy played like just got a paycheck though played 33 minutes though against the wizards and ultimately was probably if they didn't have him they wouldn't have won that game like i just feel like jalen brown i i just they don't and not like don't get me wrong like i'm gonna i'm gonna call it the like the jordan gene or the kobe gene like that it's that competitiveness that I feel like both Brown and Tatum lack where I, I do feel like at least Kemba Walker, like is gutting it out like as best as he can. And I just like yeah. Brown, like just has a sore knee and it's like, well, I'm just going to sit out Sunday so I can go to the all-star game and the three point. Like it just, the whole thing just strikes me like just very wrong. <laughs> it's absurd. Cause I mean, Obviously, the injury rate in a three point is not that high. I get it, but like, what if something happens? Well, you're still jump. Game? You're jumping like NBA players. Yeah, I mean, it's tor- every, you're not ACL, unless you're like Achilles. Paul Pierce that shoots like flat footed. Like these guys all have a jump <laughs> shot from the three point line, right? For the most part. Yeah. So I know for you know Jalen Brown has a jump shot, and I'm pretty sure that's how he shoots his three majority of his three pointers. So you're literally going to do that, and if you advance, you know you're going to do it a whole nother like it just doesn't seem like a good recipe. Now I understand he did turn down the slam dunk contest. Thank God. I can't imagine the Celtics. Probably because he'd be too tired. Danny Ainge would have another heart attack. Like yeah, but he, if Jalen Brown was the slam dunk contest. Look how they play on the field on the on the field uh, on the court. They're all selfish. They don't they don't care that you know, if he wants to do it. But he's he should do care it. about his own body think- in his future. Well, that he wants to care about the dollar signs, but like if he sure. wants to do a three I mean, point that bad, no like, one wants to do both. If he wants to do the skill, you know, if he wants to play in the futures game, he'd, he'd find his way in there, even though he's not a few. But you, you know what I mean? Like, there's just no say by Ainge. I don't think Ainge and Steve have, Stevens have any say. Uh, they, it's, it's a player's league. It's that's why the, that's why the game's getting becoming terrible. Um, it's very disappointing. So I hope this doesn't blow up in our faces because we're already in, you know. We're treading water as it is this team. So if we lose Brown, put a, put a wrap. It's over. So I will Tatum say, isn't going to lead you anywhere. No, I get in like we've already just mentioned him, but like to then get on to Kemba Walker's recent performance, you know, has been pretty encouraging, thankfully. And again, like especially with Brown missing games, 
lately, they're lucky that Kemba Walker has, you know, had some sort of resurgence because I'll tell you right now, they obviously would not have won. I can tell you right now that Wizards game, they won by one point and Mm -hmm. Kemba Walker had 21 points and was very efficient. Eight assists, five rebounds, two steals. They desperately needed that. And he came through for them. 33 minutes. The only person that played more was Jason Tatum at 39. Like, yeah, they needed I, him because you know you know, someone's his knee hurts now. He's he's already played 25 minutes today, but his knee hurts Sunday through a bad play. Two days the, later, creeping on 30. Come on, and especially you know, like the 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 three big men have really stepped up lately. And I include Tristan Thompson because like his rebounding is absolutely a factor. Like, he had 13 rebounds in that game, and that's like what he's here to do. Yeah, um, but uh, Daniel Tice had 20 points in 32 minutes. And Robert Williams is just progressing very nicely. And it's nice that those three have been contributing because they don't have that. So it was, you just talked about with Brown out. So it, it's, you know, it's Walker and Tatum, but you know, they're having to rely on contributions from unlikely sources because look at the, look at the rest of the bench, Jeff, what a dog shit roster this is. And look at like gross. if you look at the the box score from that game, like Javante Green eight points, Shemi Ojale four, Grant Williams three, Teague six, Pritchard seven. Like it's just pathetic. And then like another DNP for Aaron Neesmith. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Like, like he was. Is so Romeo Langford alive? Terrible. By the way, is Romeo Langford no. have a pulse? Can someone do a wellness <laughs> check? He's on some milk cart somewhere. Like, why aren't in we Indiana. seeing this guy? Like, at least like with it shooting a like, I give me a give me a pretend clip of something shooting <laughs> a basketball. To, they're just gonna have to get someone going. I mean, you can't rely on Kemba. I mean, look, it's not, not gonna fair go. to like. That's what I mean. Like, and I just it just that's why like the the Jalen Brown thing just comes off so selfish to me that you have like Kemba Walker with a debilitating knee injury that's mm-hmm. going like. It's just so frustrating, and they have no depth, you know, in the backcourt whatsoever. No, and they, I mean, right after this All Star break, they have back to backs, you know, almost right away. So yeah. thankfully, Marcus Smart's coming back because yeah, they, like, so, I can't yeah. overstate like how important that is for defensive yeah, purposes, minutes purposes. Yeah, I mean, luckily they're playing. Well, they're playing the Jazz, but. The most part, they're not playing great teams off the back. Pencil that in for uh, a loss. They better they better win some of those other games, though. They're playing the Cavs on the second night of a back to back, and they're playing the Grizzlies on the second night of the back. They, of those have to be those have to be wins. Has and to they're be. playing the Thunder on the so there's three back to back series, whatever, in March. It ends with they play the Thunder. So there's three. So there's three games at least this month that that Kemba's not going to play in. Now they're so they're back in they're up to six plays now, which is a actually a tie with the Heat, who they have listed as fifth play. But like they're half game behind the Knicks. Like, listen, I understand this Knicks team is far more impressive than past years, and they may they may even be adding as we've you know alluded to previously. But there's no like this team with at least with Brown and Tatum has to be fourth in this comp has to be. Like you need to make that leap back into fourth place in the Eastern Conference. There's no excuse, and you know there's no. every day you can read a new article about 
you know, what they're going to do with the trade exception and all this. And like, I, I think it's imperative to understand that they cannot just band-aid this. It's, it's just not going to last long enough. Like they need to make a significant move for big time players that, that we've talked about on this program. Yeah. I mean, there's some serious things that need to be fixed. I mean, you're going to, you got to look kind of ahead too. Cause like you said, the, the bench is garbage. I mean, really, you think Kemba's going to last this contract with his knee? Like, I don't even know if he's going to make it to the be, playoffs, Jeb. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think he'll be able to be able to even fulfill his contract. Like, this knee is like, he basically doesn't have any. Like, he, he'll, he'll never be the same again. Like, you know, there'll be lots of no, surgeries just, down the road. Like, it's it's done. Like, it's a debilitated. Like, he'll be going to Germany for those plasma things like Kobe did. Um, yeah, it's just like, you need to, you need to, you know, get, have the, the next guy, like even that case. Cause like, you can't rely on Kemba. You can't have him, like you said, play 33 minutes. Like that's not going to fly. I mean, so yeah, they're in trouble. To be determined as to what happens here. I I'm still Mm -hmm. waiting for a blockbuster trade. Um, Mm -hmm. hopefully they get healthy during the all-star break and hopefully we don't see Brown and Tatum doing really anything other than that three point con I like just, you know, walking up and down. like, I don't want to see any like five minutes a piece. Like, thank you. Sit down mm-hmm. onto the red Sox. Garrett Richards had a memorable or unmemorable performance, depending on how you look at it in his uh, first spring training outing. Uh, he was uh, unfortunate enough to experience the league's new mercy rule of sorts that allows the pitching team to end the inning after a pitcher has thrown 20 pitches. So uh, Garrett Richards started this game and things did not go very well in the first inning, Jeff. Uh, He seriously lacked command uh, from what it looked like to me. He just could not see. And then, you know, when he did put stuff in the strike zone, it got put into play. I think this was just the first inning alone. I think it was, two runs, three hits, two walks. And then they were able to end the inning. uh, Thanks to this new spring training rule, probably not the way he wanted to get started. What did you think of the utilization of this rule in, in particular, what do you think about Garrett Richards? And then also the the rule in in particular. Um, He just, I I never take, but just to add, if he did that helped him. So he managed to settle in after this. Right. So, I mean, it, this guy's like a kind of a project. I know we talked about it at length. He, you know, yep. had the injury, but he was good before. I won't take any stock into the first, you know, first outing of the year. Um, I'm not going to go that. I mean, if this happens again, maybe we'll talk about it. I mean, I'll, I'll blame him more. It just like the whole concept of the mercy rule is mercy rule is such a joke. It's like, I feel like I'm watching the little league world series. It's like, what are we in Williamsport? Are we in Florida? Like the age, what's the age requirement now? Cause I see a bunch of grown adults, professionals making millions of dollars and, and you have to take them out. You know, the thing it, to me, Jeff, and I'm agreeing, I'm agreement with you be, just because the other rule that we, we just talked about on our live program last Saturday was that the, the league has allowed pitchers to re-enter the game. And I mean, not to mention the amount of pitchers you have. So like in theory, right, you could have just inserted somebody else and then put him back in the game. 
like the fact to end the inning, especially in the first inning, I think just came off poorly. Like, I, and I don't know if that was the, how they envisioned it being used, but it just sucks to see a, the first inning we're using this new, this new rule because a guy needed a roadmap to find home plate. Yeah. And it's just like, like he's got to figure it out. Like you got to battle to adversity. It's being a pitcher. I mean, you got to figure out first of all, if this guy has it, the ability to be a like, because I read today that the minors are starting a month later. So they're not starting until May, uh, the minor league, the triple A season. So I don't know, like there's going to be a bunch of pitchers in limbo, not doing much. So like basically the, the players you have, your starting pitchers, for the most part who you have opening day, you're going to have for at least a month or two. Cause I don't know what these triple A players are going to do. They're going to be off for a month because their season doesn't start till May 6th. I think I saw. So like, let's mention this is like a guy you yeah. basic without Chris sale. This is the guy penciled in as your third starter. Like this yeah. isn't a guy that you were just like, like, you know, like Whitlock who you just took out of a rule five draft and say, Hey, let's see what happens. Like you paid him $10 million because he did pitch fairly well last year. He had a four Oh three ERA in the pandemic season. So I think like, they're like, okay, you know, he's coming back from that Tommy John nicely the year prior to that. And okay, this guy's worth $10 million and like, yeah, not a great start. But again, like, I don't want to overanalyze the first spring training inning. Right. 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 I'm not going to do that. It's we're, just, not, we're not going to like kidnap I, this I was guy's less family. Worried. Like, right. And like, like I said, if it happens again, maybe I will. It was just more <laughs> worrisome once I heard about the the, trip, the minor league baseball thing getting pushed back. So I'm like, they're not going to have anybody ready if this dude's just a puddle and can't can't get out of the third inning in like a regular season game. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. Like they got to make sure this guy's as ready to go as he can, because they don't have any help. I don't, if you, I don't know if you have any information on that, but like, I don't know what they're doing. Like they're just starting a month late. So all they can't have any call-ups. Like, I don't know what, how these people are going to say. Well, ready, so. The good thing. I don't, you weren't really going to see, I think like anybody that was going to be assigned to Pawtucket is probably going to be what we've talked about. Like you're going to have at the, probably like a sixth starter at the beginning of the season. Like these are guys that are already up anyway. So they'll be working out. Like I I don't think they'll just be, they're not going to be sitting around, especially the guys that are expected to be, you know, taking a cab between, you know, Worcester and Boston anyway. So I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would necessarily worry about, you know, a situation like that, but you know, like, I think the the worst part about this is that this made national news because this was the first usage of this brand new rule in the first inning of the first game for him. Like, so I'm sure for, for him, it was, you know, if I'm Garrett Richards, I'm probably super embarrassed because now like this, this isn't like just on Nesson, you know, this is on ESPN and on sports center because of the circumstances behind it. So I think it was just unfortunate and, you know, hopefully that's behind him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're gonna end the rule after you, so you better get used to it. Yeah, exactly. The Richards rule now. The Richards rule. Yeah, and some unpleasant, other unpleasant Red Sox news. Uh, Xander Bogarts is dealing with a sh- lingering shoulder injury slash soreness. And this, the thing that I guess is a little upsetting is that, like, at least from what Alex Cora says, that he rushed himself with his throwing program during the off season, like Xander, what the hell are you doing? And yeah. not great news, especially when like, I mean, that's probably your most stable player that's on the roster at this point. 
And, it, you know, Akora does seem optimistic. He'll probably take ground balls in a few days. Hitting might start hitting in a few days. But, like, just the way it was described, it made me a little uncomfortable because it seems like he may not really be playing in a spring game if you kind of read between the lines here, which then, you know, worries me. It's like, all right, how, if he doesn't compete in a spring game, then like how long is it going to take him to figure it out? And I think ultimately he'll be fine. It's just like, you know, remember when like we'd have to wait till like the end of May for like David Ortiz to heat up sometimes. And it's like, and again, like I'm not like comparing them, but like, it's just a little worry when, you know, your all-star shortstop is just, you know, dealing with a shoulder injury and probably won't play in a spring game. What do you make of this? Uh, so there's two things. It's definitely very worrisome um, because, like you said, you know, with him not playing any spring training, it's got to be not, I wouldn't say go severe, but it's got to be something where they're just kind of shutting it down already. Um, and then who knows how long it's going to take him to get going because his, his real live action is going to be when the season starts. The only thing that we're, the thing I want the Red Sox to do is I'm so down on this year. I mean, I've, I've talked about it at length. I, I they're not going to, they're going to be in last place. They're going to win like 50 games, 60 games. So like you make sure that his shoulder is a thousand percent good. I don't want that him I would to agree. come back early. I want him to, I'd rather him come back late. I'd rather him. If, if he needs four to six weeks, I want, I don't want to see him for 10 weeks, eight to 10 weeks. Like, this season's already over for me. I, I think they're going to do nothing. So like you treat him like a porcelain doll and like, do not rush this back because you don't want him going into next year for a season. That's not going to matter. Oh, so no doubt. I, I do hope agree they, with you. they do the right thing. The, the part that I just find very odd was like Alex Cora's excuse. I mean, I just want to read you this quote because it's, I'm not really sure it makes sense. And oh, so boy. this is a quote from Alex Cora that was transcribed by, by mass live as to what happened with Bogarts in his off season program quote with everything that's going on with the virus. There were a few things he wasn't able to do in Aruba because of lockdowns or whatever they had going on down there for the right reasons. It wasn't a regular off season on that end. He was able to hit and all that, but his throwing program wasn't perfect. He rushed himself. He was sore for a few days. We shut him down. End quote. What? <laughs> what does Wait, the virus have anything to do with his throwing program? And you're telling me that Xander Bogarts can't find a field by himself in Aruba to throw a ball or a basement into a sandbag or like, I don't, understand this makes it feel like he got like did he just make clay buckholtz like, like when they said he like slept or his child slept on him or whatever the hell that was his child this just makes me on. think like he got like oh yeah this just makes me think of like he got he drunk a bar and, like, fight fell down a flight of <laughs> oh, yeah. stairs and he's like called coach like coach i messed up hurt my shoulder bad They're like we're gonna lie we're gonna make up we're gonna say you're on a on an island Caribbean island living your best life and you you could hit and you could run and you could do everything but you couldn't throw for some reason because if you can hit a ball you would think you'd have enough room to throw a ball but maybe not um so <laughs> if you're in a batting cage you can throw in the batting cage it's like you're also Cor an Cor all-star you're, you're, shortstop you're 
who's you're a also, god you're, in Aruba. Yeah, you could get anything, you, any field you want at any time. It's been a space you want. And then Cora, Cora, you're you're on the record as being one of the best liars and one of the best scandals of baseball history. And you couldn't find a better lie than this. Whoops. Like you were a trash. You were the trash can master, you know, <laughs> and now you, you make this up. So it's like that makes me think he's even more hurt because like you, you he hits his shoulders sore. So he's out for an entire spring training. That makes me seem like it's a tear. Or like something tore because you wouldn't just shut someone down for a whole spring training because he ramped it up too much and hurt himself. And again, they didn't outwardly say that. And like Cora says he would begin these activities in a few days, but then he talks about how they have 30 days. And that's why like I kind of read between the lines that like right. he may not be participating in spring training, essentially like games is what how I how I took that. But who knows? It could be very minor and he could be. Who knows? It could be back in a week for all we know. But I think it's it's certainly worth noting. Yep. Cora, step your lie game up, buddy. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, do some Patriots. So it appears the NFL is going to increase the schedule to 17 regular season games in this coming 2021 season, which we can talk about if that separately, if you want, but like, it just seems the like not great timing, but what that means is that. So for that 17th game, the way it's being discussed is that the AFC teams will be the hosts for this particular season. And in that extra game, the Patriots will likely host the Dallas Cowboys. Now I face value, like, okay, that's fine. And all, I think the problem that I have just specifically with the Cowboys is like the Cowboys are absolutely due to be the Patriots. And now that Brady's gone. So assuming like Dak comes back, that's really not like what the thing that I want to do for the Patriots. Like is the Patriots have won the last six meetings against Dallas. So to statistically, I hate that because I don't believe in like those streaks just like continuing, Continuing, like indefinitely like that. And obviously like, we don't know who the quarterback is for the Patriots. And so if, if Dak goes back, I just, you can, I just feel like you can pencil in a loss for the Patriots just for no other reason. I just don't like the fact that there's a win streak for the Patriots and you know that, but I, I don't like the fact that, you know, after this like COVID season and you know, we, we've just talked about like players, like the beating they take, like I know the league's trying to recoup probably some money, but I just don't like the timing on this t- to me. It just seems in poor taste. But what do you make of the Cowboys probably coming to Foxborough in this 17th game? Um, so I'm not as superstitious as you, but I, I get that feeling. You're, you're due for a loss. Um, I mean, it really depends on the quarterback itself. I mean, who knows about Dak Prescott? I mean, I'm assuming he'll, he'll be back, but like, you know, buckle up, everyone. There's a fifty, was it forty-five to fifty-five percent chance we have Cam Newton, so by then the season will be wildly over. I mean, <laughs> it'll be over weeks before that, so like, it won't matter. Like <laughs> the whole idea of the seventeenth game, I like if you're gonna knock off a, a preseason game because I feel like preseason's a joke. Um, I like I like actual real football, um, so I don't think it should start this year. I mean, I think they're probably like you said, they're trying to recoup some losses. 
Um, I just think they should just try to get through this year again. Cause I mean, there's still cases of COVID and I mean, baseball's in pretty well. And so is basketball for the most part, but I mean, there's still people getting positive for COVID who knows what will be in the fall. Um, so I don't think it's the right time for the 17th game, but I do like the idea of it. Just not this year. No, I, I hear you. I just, I worry about like, we just talk about like the beating in the health of the players and it's like the, the players were already talking about how like grueling this was. And, you know, you talked about like IR rules in the past and that's all that's, that's come up. And then we, you know, we talked about the fact that prior to prior to the past season, you had four preseason games, five for team for the two teams that participated in the hall of fame game, which seems utterly ridiculous. So I I have a feeling, you know, obviously we, didn't have a preseason because of, you know, what happened with the, you know, the virus. We don't really know what the plan is yet because this really hasn't, this hasn't been released by the league. This is, you know, speculation. I think a lot of this was from from Peter King. And so I presume there's no way you can run four and five preseason games and then adding a regular season. That's ridiculous. So if I had to guess, you're probably going to see two or three preseason games. If you're going to add this, I would, wouldn't be surprised if they maybe make some tweaks to how many people you can have on IR. And, you know, the, now that you can have players return from IR, that was obviously added, you know, in the last mm-hmm. few years as well. But there's one thing that had been speculated possibly was a second buy. That's not on the table. So it's 17 games in 18 weeks. And then the Super Bowl is now going to be pushed back just one week, most likely from this particular year. It would be February 6th to February 13th which we just talked about Jeff could also have been part of the reason for this, because I know the league and also fans have always wanted, you know, the Monday after the Super Bowl to be a holiday. In this case, it likely would be because I believe that Monday would typically be president's day. So that may have also been motivation for this to get maybe more people, you know, watching that game, maybe that otherwise wouldn't people that are, you know, just not interested in, you know, having a party, you know, on a work night or school night or, you know, have any of that. So I think that could be motivation and that part, I don't mind, but I I do think they absolutely have to, I would very much like to see two preseason games if you're going to do this. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, if if you're going to add a 17th, I I think, so I watch all the preseason games because I'm the Patriots ones at least uh, because I'm a lunatic. I watch all Patriots stuff all the time, but like, even I know there's no, even in a regular year, 16 game schedule, you don't need four preseason games. You only need, even, even with a 16 week schedule, I still say two weeks preseason. I I don't think no matter how many games you play regular season, I don't think there's any reason for that many games. So I I do two with the hall and then the hall of fame game. So two teams would have three. That that's what I would cut. Yeah, exactly. Even, even keeping it the regular schedule. I don't, so, yeah, no doubt. I totally agree with that. Just, just, just in general, because like, I, I, I can't stand going on Facebook and everyone's like, "Oh my God, you guys see Ralph Webb? He's like the next Emmett Smith. He had two touchdowns. I'm like, <laughs> he just scored on a D three like cornerback and like some guy was working fast food last are, week. Like they're playing in the fan controlled football league this Saturday. Yeah. Oh, Ralph Webb's gonna be the next Patriots superstar. Let me. What team has he been on since since the Pats? I'll tell you. He hasn't been anywhere. So I, I can't the enterprise so, rent a car manager and training program. Yeah. Like I, I, it just like, it's just the, I know it's the pink hats and I try to avoid it, but you know, social media, you see it. And it's just like, 
I love so like I love ingesting football. And you, you know, we you and I we watch the XFL, we've even caught a little bit of the fan control. Like we <laughs> like the product, but yeah. like especially that that fourth preseason game, especially when they change some of the you know the cutdowns and stuff, like it's so hard good, to watch. Good God, like the none of these people are are even gonna make a roster at that point. And they like, know it too. Oh, they're just milking it for everything, like you yeah. know, the tickets and the TV and, and all that. It's like and then you get and then of course, like preseason, like you, you get attached to someone. Like I remember that the Gunner year when I got we first got the report he was cut. I was devastated because I'm like, this is one guy that I thought could actually play. And then would that last an hour? That last like an hour. It was like an hour. I remember <laughs> I was on the part. I don't remember where it was, but I was like, I got it on my phone, and I was like, oh my god. Even even Laurel was upset because she liked it when she started watching football. But yeah, I just can't stand like talking about Ralph Webb anymore. The next time I met Smith, I actually saw someone say that. Okay. I said that's where I, he had that. He stop had that the sweep. ride, sir. Stop. <laughs> he, he, I remember the. I can't remember who they were playing, but it was like they were three yards out, and he just like they just did a toss to the left, and he scored. And I'm like, cool. They're like, he's the next Emmett Smith. Just watch. Okay. They didn't even make an XFL roster. Get out of here. So yeah, two games. That's ridiculous. All right. Yep. Moving on to some positive Patriots news and positive Bill Belichick news. And that's something that we really don't get to talk about very much, especially in the course of the last year or so. Um, Bill Belichick was uh, kind enough to spend some time here with um, the NFL Women's Careers in Football Forum. And I guess he impressed a, a lot of people. And there are some really positive takeaways from this. And like, these are the things like Bill is really in his element and like talking about football and mentoring people in football. Um, He also, he led a virtual breakout session for aspiring coaches. Him and Mike Vrabel um, did that. And this is really interesting. And, you know, there was some really positive feedback, Bill smiling. This is obviously done on zoom, but um, I really enjoyed, you know, reading about this and, you know, reading, you know, some of the, the feedback, you know, that was given in um, one uh, woman in particular, her name is uh, Alex Hanna. She's the uh, Oberlin college in Ohio. She's the cornerbacks coach and director of football ops. And she did a, a sit down here with um, I think it was Mike Reese and just, she, you know, they asked her to describe the, you know, the breakout session with bill um, and, you know, some things that she thought might help her in, in her career. And she just talked about, you know, how extremely personable and down to earth bill is. And that's something I think people, especially outside of new England have no idea, you know, how much of a genuine person bill is and how much he's willing to help and contribute to the football community. You know, bill even gave his contact information to the, to these women. I just thought that was really cool. Um, what did you think about this after, you know, reading through uh, some of this uh, forum? So, I mean, like you said, like outside of New England, you just see him as this like awful, like grumpy person. Like he's done a lot for the community. I mean, it's not overly surprising that he would take this because, I mean, he loves the game of football. I mean, you've seen him, the, him in the documentaries with Saban and they just like talk to him. They say, hey, how are you? And then two seconds later, they're talking about football. Um, so it was good to see. I mean, he's trying to grow the game. I mean, obviously he knows like, you know, I don't think he did it because it looks good on him because he's trying to get women into the game, but I think he really has a passion to have everyone involved in the game. So he's trying to take it on himself to be a part of things like this. 
outside uh, of New England, this probably won't even make you know any news. I'm I'm guessing. No, well, because it doesn't fit the narrative of him being just some mean, angry man that that hurt Tom Boy's feelings. Ooh, because you know Tom's still the golden boy. So, um, I loved it. So I love the whole thing. Um, it's not surprising. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect him to turn something down like this, but um, it's just good to see. And I, I hope it makes national because so people can actually see he is a human. It should, but instead people are still probably going to talk about how, you know, Donald Trump wanted to give him, you know, the Medal of Freedom and and he's evil because he speaks to people that other people don't agree with. Like that's, but I would love for this to, to make national attention. You know, I think one of the things that she said that resonated with the fact that he's a constant learner. And I think that's such a big thing. Like there's people that think like when they get to Bill Belichick's level, they think that they know everything. And especially from a coaching perspective, that's totally not the case you know, with Bill, because he's constantly evolving And like, I thought it was you oh, know, one, of the, one of the things she mentioned here that he's like, Oh, you can shoot me an email, you know, send me a PowerPoint and we can go into how I would coach up your position in a particular situation. And like, it's just cool to see that, like, no matter like what level you get in, in his case, you know, six Super Bowls as a head coach and another two as a coordinator, like the guy has eight Super Bowl rings and he's willing to talk to, you know, the cornerbacks coach at Oberlin college. Like, I think that's pretty cool. And it, I think it says a lot about, yeah. you know, him as a human being and him as a, a mentor to other, you know, football minds. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a golden ticket of, of, of emails. They have someone, I mean, even if you can get like 2% from Bill Belichick, like, or adapt 2% into your program, that that's, that's huge. And clearly you said Mike, he, I was just saying, clearly Mike Vrabel learned that you know, from yeah. being around Bill because he was, you know, in, in this session with him as well. And, you know, also they had a lot of nice things to say about Mike Vrabel as well. So obviously, you know, some of that rubbed off. Yeah. If you, if you look at anything that, that Bill's been in, he's always talking football, always trying to help out. I mean, I, I bring it up again, that, that video that Saban and Belichick had recently, they told, they, they told them to put the cameras down. So There's just the audio. But Bill was like, hey, I saw you ran that play on third and five. Like, why did you do that? I'm just I'm just wondering. He's like, oh, because I saw this. He's like, oh, so I should. So like Nick Saban, we all know, was not a good professional coach. But like Bill's asking Saban, who's a friend, like, hey, I saw you do this. So it is so into the game that just watching it, he's like figuring out what play they're doing. But he's always trying to learn. Um, and I think that's what makes him the greatest coach. He, he might not be the greatest GM, but like he's probably the, the greatest coach because he's adapted through a lot. I know he had Brady, but Brady doesn't make the whole team. So oh, no that, that's why where he is. Absolutely. Um, a few final notes. And these are just some topics on Mike Reese's mailbag at, um, at ESPN. Um, the, the quarterback situation. So he mentions um, Mel Kuyper's similarities between, you know, Mac Jones and, you know, and, and Brady and like, you know, I, we talked about Charlie Weiss and what, you know, what he thought as well. And like there, it seems like Mac Jones is now moving up draft boards from mm-hmm. at least from what I can see from at least the people in the know, like, you know, like Mel Kuyper and the such, and, you know, you could say what you want, you know, if you agree with him or not, but just overall, I've heard a lot of positive sentiment, uh, you know, in regards to Mac Jones. And so to me, Jeff, the thing that worries me now at this point is if the Patriots are staying pat at 15, all five of these quarterbacks that we've talked about at length could very well be gone by the time they're picking. And I think that's a little scary, you know, like, cause I mean, they even have Mac Jones now going as high as like 
ninth, eighth or ninth. And, and you know, it, we talked about before possibly even going at 14 to, to Minnesota. The Patriots, if they want any of these five, you know, elite quarterbacks in this draft, they may have to go up and get one. What do you make of this? It's it's scary because you see these mock drafts recently, and you're like, all right, one of them's going to fall. We saw Mac Jones and Justin sure. Fields, and you felt you felt comfortable because, I mean, they're not always 100 percent right, you know, McShay's and all of them of the world, but usually it's pretty close within a couple of picks, unless there's just some team that that jumps up way too high. But um, they're definitely going to have to make a move up the board. I don't know what what they're going to do because I mean, Bill loves his draft picks, so I don't know what but i've heard a lot of like trey lance i'm like i don't know how if you're gonna get up that high but i know he likes i've heard he could fall potentially just because he didn't play this past season and for anybody that doesn't know that fcs is actually playing right now like as like as we speak which i didn't even realize until a couple weeks ago um and they actually north dakota state actually just broke their like with 37 game win streak or something because he's obviously not playing playing. due to to the, the impending draft so um I wonder if obviously that may hurt him a little. I know Mag Jones was injured for the senior bowl, but you know, there's obviously a more relevant tape, especially the national championship yeah. to go off of where, you know, maybe Lance is now the one that maybe is that does slide. True in mind. I mean, any one of these five, I'd be okay with in the first round. So I am now I was originally like, at this point, like I want them to get like, I originally thought Mag Jones was like a guy in the twenties and like, but I'm warming up to it. And quite frankly, I would take any five, any of these five now at the 15 spot. And like, yeah. I, I would even encourage a, a, them moving up a few spots to secure one of them. No, and I agree with you. So I, I still, in a perfect world, I think, I think Mac Jones is a 20. Like if we had a quarterback and he rolled, rolled our way, like if we were a little bit better of a team. Sure. But yeah. You, you got to take one of them. You just, you just have to even moving up. Like you said, a couple spots, just make sure you get someone because you don't want to go in with like Newton and Trask. We, no. we can talk about this. All right, you're till we're blue in the face, but come by on Saturday and let us know what quarterback you want. Yes, come Saturday. Uh, just one final note, Jeff, um, on the Patriots. Uh, JC Jackson has been one of the players that has been at Gillette in the last week, but there's a very important decision that needs to be made in the next two weeks. So he can become a restricted free agent, um, which means the Patriots will have until March 17th to tender him an offer. And so it, that's likely going to be at the first or second round level, which means that if a team signs uh, Jackson to an offer sheet and the Patriots don't match it, they'll receive compensation to that level. And so to me, obviously I would think that he'll be playing with the Patriots. It's just a matter of, I think, seeing if they tender him at either the first round or, or second round, or, you know, if they do work out, you know, a long-term deal, which, uh, might be the best case scenario, especially since I, I would don't see Gilmore playing here past the season. So I think it would be nice to at least have somebody in the pipeline that, you know, say what you want about ultimately where JC Jackson slots in, you know, as whether he is a number one or not, but it would be nice certainly to have him on a longer term deal and maybe make the money nice as well. What do you think? Yeah. So I've heard that they're going to put a, a first round tender on him, which means like no one would probably touch it. Um, I would agree with that. I would say, I mean, I hope they go for a long-term deal. I mean, as much as he's grown over the last couple of years, like, yes, did he, when, when Gilmore was out and he was the one, did he get abused? Yes. But like, I feel like there's still potential. He hasn't really, I don't think he's hit his full potential as a quarterback. So I still 
cornerback, excuse me. So I still believe he could be a one. I don't, maybe this off season and maybe some training, you know, some study will get him to be in one. I mean, he's pretty close. He's like a one, he's like a one B. I mean, well, he's a starter. There's nothing wrong with being a starter. No, and but maybe- I'm just saying like, <laughs> you know, I think he can be a one. I just, you know, you have a guy with this much ability and talent, like a te- he's young enough. You can still kind of build a team around like the secondary that's getting older. I would say just sign him. You, you got the money. Maybe pay a little bit more. I mean, you paid a little bit more for Gilmore than you usually do. So, and that worked out, obviously. And that worked at the time, out. So, so do it. Do it again. I agree. Uh, any final notes, Jeff? No, that's it. All right. As usual, we're planning to do our live sports Saturday. Um, we'll set up an event on Facebook shortly, but that live sports Saturday is our live broadcast on Facebook Saturday night, 8 PM to about 9 30 PM. So be there, bring your questions and comments. It's always a great time. Yep. Oh, and I would, I should have mentioned this earlier. People that have friends with small businesses, give us a shout out. If they want us to be on the program, it's all free. There's no money attached to it. We're just trying to help out as many small businesses that are struggling right now as we can. As you say, we had Jalen's kid folk and I'll actually buy Lauren on, on this show, but I mean, anyone out there, you know, just let, you know, reach out to us or have them reach out to us. Um, we're happy to help. So absolutely be there, hit us up. Be there. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Everybody. As always, we greatly appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Wouldn't you like to get away?